Amen. You can be seated. <laughs> yes, yes. If you're not familiar, don't stand so close to me. Um, it's 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 good to see you all here. I know that there we're gonna we're gonna talk just a little bit about the elephant in the room and the the current crisis stuff. And I know there were some people that were asking if we were canceling, and there'll be more information on that shortly here. But um, uh, our gatherings here, we have two services, so we're less than the number that they are suggesting. Um, but as of like forty five minutes ago, the governor said as of Wednesday the schools are closed. So parents, we will be praying for you. Um, <laughs> But we understand, I don't know where you're, you stand in terms of the current um, coronavirus crisis thing. There are some people who are on, on this extreme over here that are saying it's the worst thing to ever hit humanity and it could be the death of us all. And I believe every word that the media says and here's where we're at. And then I have some people that are on the opposite side of that saying that it's all bogus, it's all a lie, it's all a plot, it's all, we're getting disinformation, there's hype, there's hysteria, and then somewhere in between. So I don't know where you're at, so we're not going to do this. I was going to say we're going to do this as a joke, but they would start playing music back there. Because you're only supposed to be so close to people, we were going to say every 10 minutes... We're going to do musical chairs, and you'll have to sit somewhere else. But that would end up probably being worse. So here's, here's what we know. Um, uh, we've always done, you know, we greet people. We do the handshake thing. And, and I wanted to show you that I'm not afraid of doing it. Are you afraid to shake my hand? Good. Just say, just, just say, just say I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. Here, see this? I'm kidding. So anyhow... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, come from a, um, I come from a background in church where um, it, it was like Minnesota is stoic, but mine was really that. I mean, the handshake was never a, a genuine warm handshake. It was a, a business kind of thing. And um, so that's what I kind of grew up with. And I'm learning to be better at all that. Um, I still haven't got to where in the Bible it says greet one another with a holy kiss. I'm just having a hard, harder time with that. But over the last decade or two, I have been doing way better with the hugging thing because our church is kind of a hugging thing and it was like, you know, that's not me. But in the last decade or so, it's become more and more that such that I look forward to that and it's a good thing, but those things are probably out for now, anyhow, and we know that there's kind of some stuff going on. So, so what do we do? We want to be able to be informative and let you know, here's what we should do in terms of greeting. I, I read that somebody somewhere, some country, the, the, the guy outlawed handshaking. You know, in the news conference, handshaking is outlawed. And then when he got done, you know what he did? He went to the guy next to him and shook his hand. He goes, oh! <laughs> But you know, if they outlaw handshaking, only outlaws will shake hands. So that's a whole different thing. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to help you see what to do. So I've asked um, Jay and Josh. Josh is somewhere. They're going to come up. They're going to demonstrate for us. Here's what we should and shouldn't do and can and can't do. And just, just some, some, some tips and some help on how to do this. So there, the, there's been a lot of suggestions in terms of here's what we should do. The first one I heard was instead of the handshake that you do the fist bump. Show us the fist bump. So that seems better, right? It's kind of manly, you know. Um, 
a 2014 study found fist bumps transmitted 90% fewer bacteria than a handshake. This is a virus, not a bacteria. <laughs> so, so maybe fist bumps, not the best thing. So the one I've been hearing and seeing, and people have done this to me all morning, is the elbow bump. The elbow bump. It's so awkward, first of all. But here's the thing. I don't know if you've thought this through. When we sneeze or cough, aren't we supposed to cough in our elbow? And then here you go. (laughs) By the way, I think now they're saying cough, sneeze in a tissue, and then throw it away. Except there aren't any tissues in the stores anymore, so that's, it is what it is, so use your sleeve. Um, uh, uh, Jay shared a couple with me that I hadn't thought of before, and this is, a, this is a pretty cool one for our area. It's the cowboy nod. <laughs> the cowboy nod. There's a lot of people that do that anyhow. That's a good thing. Um, for me, when I first came, I, I've been in, in Pine City now for 20 years, and when I first came, um, I had never seen this anywhere before except here. I'm driving down my road, you know, and there's a, there's a car or a pickup truck passing me, and they got their hand on the wheel, and you know what they do? They do this. That's the one finger wave. See, I was confused for a little while because I wasn't sure which finger they were raising, and I thought I had done something wrong, and it turns out that wasn't it anyhow. Um, but um, Jay has shared one with me that I really like. Um, this one is called... Um, um, I don't know what you called it, the millennial greeting. Hello, the millennial hello. Show us the millennial hello. <laughs> See, you don't even have to look at each other. <laughs> that's, that's how they do it. You can just text, hello, good to see you. Um, we talked about that in the series, so maybe you need to look at that. Um, here's one that I wasn't sure on how to do that, so they showed me how to do this, but let's show them uh, the, the most current one is the foot bump. Do the foot bump. See? Now, I I read this week, a a woman was commenting on that, and she said this, the foot bump seems clumsy. It's awkward, seems a little clumsy, and she says, especially in high heels. (laughs) With my luck, I'm going to end up on the ground. Um, But my new favorite is is the one that Jay shared with me, and that's jazz hands. Show us jazz hands. (laughs) Isn't that cool? Everybody, everybody, ready? Jazz hands. See, here, here's what I heard. Somebody said, instead of clapping after the song, we could all do that. Do it again. Do it again. See, this for me, this is really just a sneaky way to get people in church to actually raise their hands. Because in Minnesota, we don't do that. It's like, you know, can't raise their hands. Um, unless you got another one, I think we're good. Thank you guys for your, for your help. <laughs> So we know that there's going to be some changes in the whole social distancing thing, which for those of us who tend to be a little bit wired as introverts, they say social distancing. Yes. <laughs> I feel much better already. Um, but, but we also know that people need connection. They need to be close, and we want to make sure. So in the midst of this, what is being labeled as a crisis and the things that are going on, um, I'm trying to think, what can I do to... First of all, to lighten things up, because for me, humor is what gets me through tough times sometimes. But, but also, um, I wanted to do something, because like, for instance, sometimes on Christmas and sometimes on Easter, it's not a given. But one of the things we've done throughout the years is we've, had, we've given things away. So um, some of the things, if you weren't in a service, it'll make no sense to you. Like we gave away rocks. 
We gave away pennies. I still have people come up to me and say, I still got my rock in my pocket. And I remember that service. You know, I got my nail from when we talked about Jesus being nailed. We've given Play-Doh away. We gave a key away. So I thought, let's have a giveaway today. Now, I wasn't able to do this for everybody, and you'll understand why, but I need to know, does anybody have a birthday today? Not today. Any today. How about within a week? Within a week, we have a giveaway for you. It's not, it's not, this is not it. Much more valuable. (laughs) This, guard this, and hide it in your car. They will break in to take it. Um, (laughs) See, I... I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not saying if you've got a whole bunch of toilet paper that you're a bad person. I do not understand why a family of two needs 600 rolls of toilet paper. I, I'm just having a really hard time with that. But the funny thing is, um, what I do is because I'm, I'm thrifty, you know, I'm cheap, um, I, but I'm not skimping on toilet paper. I, get, I don't get the most expensive, but it has to be good. You know, it's not like duct tape or sandpaper or something. But I, I get the quantity that is the best deal. So I'm not there with my calculator figuring out this is the best deal. It's either this one or this one, the cha- price changes. So I always have a large, not a large, but a fairly big thing there. And it lasts us for a long time. And I know it's cheap. Um, I wasn't aware right away that there was this big hoarding on toilet paper Guess who ran out? (laughs) Julie says, you know, we don't have any in there. And it's like, are you kidding me? So I went, I was in Cambridge yesterday, and I I had stopped here, and I have no toilet paper here. So I went to Cambridge, and I thought, I'll just pick up some there, because I want to give it away today. Um, This is not an exaggeration. I went to every store in Cambridge. Every store in Cambridge. No toilet paper. I mean, even Fleet Farm, Menards, everything. Nobody had any toilet paper. Um, But I have one more. Don't raise your hands yet. I have one more to give away. But here's the deal on this one. I'm going to give this away to somebody who knows somebody who either is a more vulnerable person who can't get out or you know they're out and they can't get any. But I will give this away to somebody who is going to give it away to somebody. Who knows somebody? It can't be you. Or like my husband or my wife. <laughs> somebody not in your house. Who knows somebody who needs this? Somebody. I had to hide that in my car because I, I had it in my minivan. I put those two in my minivan and my insurance company called. They raised my rates because my car was <laughs> worth more oh at that. <laughs> um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I told you I don't understand the whole toilet paper thing. What, why? Are you wrapping it around your head? Or why do you need so much toilet paper? Um, But I saw a picture, and it must be true because it was on Facebook. Um, So I want to show you this. this, I saw this, and it might concern you a little bit. COVID-19 found in toilet paper. And I'm thinking a whole bunch of people panicked when they saw this. Um, I'm pretty sure that's fake. I'm pretty sure that's fake. And you know how I know that? It was on Facebook. So those of you who get your news from Facebook, I'm sorry. Because 99.9% of what you read on there is fake. The experts that are doctors were an expert on plumbing last week. 
and, and that, you know, you get the blog posts and the influencers and the people who are telling you what to do, just so that you know, that's not news. And you know what it's doing? It's causing panic. And so we're not going to go there. Do you know that in terms of instructions for this, you know the Bible talks about this. Our very situation it talks about. In James, James as in the brother of Jesus, who wrote the book of James, in James 4, 6 through 8. Here's what he says in verse 6. He says, but he gives us more grace, which during this time, that's what we need, more grace. He gives us more grace. That is why scriptures say God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And I like to think the proud are the ones who came in and hoarded all the toilet paper, and the humble are the ones who didn't get there in time to get it. So that's kind of a loose interpretation. Verse 7 says this, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And in all seriousness, here's what verse 8 says. Come near to God and he will come near to you. What are the next three words? Wash your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. So see, the Bible even talks about washing your hands. So I think if we did that more, we'd probably panic less. But that's a whole other thing. Here's what I know. I don't know where you're at on this crisis. I'm not, if, if it gets hugely serious, I'm not making fun of the, the problems. I'm just, I'm just making fun because that's who I am. But here's what I know. Viruses are contagious. So is panic. So is fear. So is hysteria. And that's the problem that we're seeing right now. That's what's contagious. But do you know what else is contagious? hope and peace and calm and love and enthusiasm and kindness and joy. So here's what I'm going to say. Choose wisely. Because what's happening for you is contagious to other people. So choose wisely on that. Here's what Jesus said. This is absolutely amazing verse in John 14. Jesus said this. Peace I leave with you. He was getting ready to go. Finish his earthly ministry. He's going to die for them. He's going to be raised from the dead three days later, walk around with them for a while, ascend to heaven. He's going to leave. And he's given them some final instructions. And Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. Do you understand? He's telling Christians, followers of Jesus, I'm going to give you my peace. This is the Savior who had peace as he went to the cross. As he suffered everything he suffered, he still had peace because of his relationship with God. And he said, peace I leave with you. My peace, Jesus said, I give you. I don't give to you as the world does. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's what Jesus wants from us. He wants the right things from us to be contagious. He wants the church to be able to step up and be a light for the church to step up and be the church and do what it's supposed to do. So here's what I'm going to say. Things are changing fast. Like I just said, less than an hour ago, the governor said, as of Wednesday, all schools in the state are closed. Public schools. Isn't that what he said, right? Yes, as of Wednesday. So um, things are changing like by the moment in terms of of this. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Um, If you're on Facebook, 
you can keep up with us on Facebook at our Journey in Our Church group. We have a page. We do nothing on our page. So go to the group and you'll see. We'll put the latest stuff on there. If you're not on Facebook, I'm not telling you to go on Facebook because if you're not on Facebook, good for you, you know. But you can go to iloveourchurch.com or journeynorthchurch.com. It goes to the same place. And right now there's stuff there, but it will be updated in the next couple days. And what we're going to try to do is keep you aware in those forums and Instagram too. Journey North Church has one. And what we'll do is we'll let you know something changed. Here's what we're going to do. There's different guidelines. Here's what we're going to do. Here's some links for you. We're going to try to keep you informed because we don't know what's going to happen. So now let's kind of get into the message for today. <laughs> Because there is a message for today. Um, we're going to talk, we're going to start a series today, and it could go for five or six weeks. It could be, this could be it, and we could do something totally different next week. I don't know, but, but we're starting this series and calling it Miraculous because we're going to talk about miracles. We're going to talk about Jesus' miracles. We can't talk about all of them. We can't go into depth on them because there is so much there. There was like something like 36 miracles, 37 if you count the resurrection, which is a pretty big miracle. Um, but so we can't get into all of that right now, um, but this will be one of those series that we jump into from time to time. Um, but we're going to start um, with the first miracle. We're going to talk about how that when you have Jesus, the best is yet to come. Um, we often live our lives just going through the motions, way too often, expecting nothing extraordinary to happen. Just We're going to just keep doing this. But when you follow Jesus, you are following a miracle worker. And what Jesus has in store for your life is always greater than what you've ever imagined. You see, people, I found people kind of fit into one of two camps or somewhere in between, but one of two camps when it comes to miracles. They either look at miracles and they say, Jesus did all these incredible miracles, and that was for that time. When it was finished and he went to heaven, that stopped, the miracle stopped, the reason for that stopped, and now we're here and this is what's happening. There are those people who believe that. There are people who, on the opposite extreme of that, would say, I see 500 miracles a day. Everything is a miracle. I didn't have money for coffee and I found a $5 bill. It's a miracle. Okay? I, I, I think I fall somewhere in between those things. Because I think when we start calling everything a miracle, then all of a sudden nothing is a miracle. I believe because I, I've experienced it that God does miracles on his timetable. We don't choose. He does. And I think it's not like every two minutes, but when he does it, see, everything really is a miracle. The fact that I'm breathing is a miracle. But he intervenes in our world at times and does something that only he can do for us to be able to step back and go, whoa, only he could have done that. And it changes us and it helps us to live better and to do different things because sometimes we just, we don't expect intervention. We expect mundane. We expect mediocrity. Many just expect the worst is going to happen. But rarely do we live life with the expectation of extraordinary things and God doing miraculous things because really that's what Jesus brings. So we're starting a series of messages about some of the miracles he performed. And as I said, we're going to start with the first, his first recorded miracle. First miracle he did was turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana. So we're going to look at that, and it's not on the screen. I'm going to read through it um, and comment a little. The words, um, are, I, they're not even, I don't think, in your outline either. Um, but it's from, it's from John chapter 2, 
And this is very, it's the second chapter, so it's very early on in his ministry. In fact, in John chapter 1, we see, you know, John the Baptist is going to do his thing. And he has these people who are following him. And John the Baptist says, I'm here to point people to one who's coming after me who's greater than me. That's my job. I'm going to point you to the Messiah who is greater than me. And Jesus comes along and John, with all his followers, says, that's the guy. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John's followers become Jesus' followers. And John, in John 1, it records Jesus starting to call his first few disciples. And at this point in his ministry, very early on, right at the beginning, um, he's, been, he's been baptized and John is shifting his followers to Jesus. And Jesus has five disciples at this point. There's only five so far. He hasn't called the rest of them yet. And he's, he's, this is very early on, and it tells us in chapter 2, the first verse, the next day, after he's called some of these disciples, the next day, he says, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. So Mary was there, Jesus' mother. Although it's interesting, John never calls her Mary. He always says Jesus' mother, which totally unrelated, but interesting. Um, his mother was there, um, and we, we get the feeling as we read through the story, there's a connection there. She knows the people, and, and you'll see why as various things happen. But it kind of, then as a side note, it says, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. So it's possible that they all got their invitations to go to the wedding. It's also possible that Mary went, but because Mary has a son named Jesus, and he's got some disciples, it's like, yeah, fine, they can come too. And I almost feel like they're a little bit wedding crashers here. Um, and, and they're just showing up, so you get the picture. Weddings then are not like weddings now. Very different. Um, a wedding back then, a wedding here, I do weddings sometimes, and um, somebody asked me, do you like weddings or funerals better? And I said, you know, here's the thing. So far on funerals, I'm 100%. I'm not 100% on all the weddings that I've done. It's a total different picture there. But typical wedding is like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. You know, a long one can be, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, you know. Um, back here, seven days, just big deals. Family came from all over. It was a big party, and they were all close, and everything happened. So different setting than what we're thinking. It's not like coming to a wedding where everybody's standing here dressed up, and, you know, weird things are happening. This is party atmosphere with all the friends and family. And we look at who's the star of a wedding today? The bride. Yeah, there's hesitation. Some wanted to say the bride's mom, I think. But um, back then, the bride wasn't the star of the show. The groom was. The groom invited everybody. Then the groom picked up his bride. They had their wedding. It was at the dad's place. And how long it was, how long the wedding thing and the celebration, the ceremony afterwards with the wedding feast and what they had and how good it was, was a direct reflection on how important and rich the father was. So they had their seven day sometimes feast, you know, and, and they were just partying for all this time. And it's interesting because in verse three, uh, verse two, they're at the celebration and verse three, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. Now this would be a big deal. It would be a big deal because it was a reflection on the father. It was a reflection on the groom. It was a reflection on the coordinator, the, the whatever they called him, the, 
the, I want to say the groom, the, the bride's, what's he called? The groom's something. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll remember it in a minute. Um, it was a reflection on the people in charge. And it was a bad thing. So here's what happened. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother, Mary, told him, Jesus, they have no more wine. Now, we don't know. I mean, we know what that means. They have no more wine. What we don't know is, is she saying, they have no more wine. It's time for a miracle, man. Or is she just saying, Jesus, they have no more wine. Because do you know how many miracles he's performed up to this point? Zero. We think of Jesus and all the miracles he's done and everything he's done, and we think, well, of course, everybody's going to look to Jesus and say, do a miracle. This has never happened before. They've run out, and it's always been bad when they run out. But Jesus' mother looks at him and says, they have no more wine. Jesus responds to her in the New Living Translation and says, dear woman, that's not our problem. Literal translation, I think the NIV and the New American Standard do the same thing. Literal translation is, woman, it's not our problem. Now, that's how we would say it. And we're like, whoa, you probably shouldn't talk to your mom that way. (laughs) Your mom is Mary, okay? (laughs) It was incredibly sensitive the way he did this. And it was also very honoring because their culture is not our culture. He didn't say, woman, (laughs) what's that to do with me? He was saying to her, dear woman, which he even said at the end as he was giving up his life. That's what he called her when he placed her in John's hands. He said, dear woman, this was a term of endearment. And he's just saying, kind of not our thing. We're not the ones running this wedding. And he replied, my time has not yet come. See, we don't know that she's saying he needs to do a miracle because she doesn't know that any of this is going to happen or could happen. She's never seen any of this. Jesus knows it's not his time yet. His time is coming. But the interesting thing is immediately after that, when he says, my time has not yet come, she knows who he is. She knows better than anybody who he is. Because he has no earthly father. As the mom, she gets that. This is a special person. And so she turns to the servants, and this is why I think there's a kind of a connection here with the people at this wedding. She turns to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you. She has no idea. Do whatever he tells you. And what do the servants do? They listen. It says, starting in verse 6, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. See, they had coronavirus problems too. They had the things you could wash your hands in when you came in. Um, no, this was not that. This was ceremonial washing. These jars held 20 to 30 gallons of water. Big jars, you know, not, not just little nice decorative thing. 20 to 30 gallons each. So they see these there. It says each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Verse 7, Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. So they have no idea what's going on. Nobody has any idea what's going on. This is not in front of the group. This is not in front of the giant wedding. This is Jesus and Mary were standing here. The disciples are probably behind him. And the servants are here. And Mary's like, they got no wine. They ran out. And Jesus says, dear woman, not our problem. My time has not yet come. And she says, do whatever he tells you. He tells the servants, take those six jars, 20 to 30 gallons each, fill them with water. So nobody, he's not yelling this. This, isn't a, this is just in this little group. This is what's happening. And it says, when the jars had been filled, and literally it's talking about, the word is to the brim. 
It wasn't just dump a little water. They filled them right up to the top. So 20 to 30 gallons, uh, six jars full of that. When the jars had been filled, like right up to the brim, Jesus said this, now, dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So these servants are like, we just filled this up with water. I don't know why we're taking it to him. He's going to have water now. We don't know what they're thinking. We know this. The servants followed his instructions. That's what it says. So the servants followed his instructions. They dip it out. They dip the water out from there. They take it to the guy who's in charge, who's going to be the most embarrassed because everything bad is happening. The master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from. So the water is now wine. It says he didn't know where it had come from. And in parentheses, though, of course, the servants knew. They're the only ones who knew. Every, the disciples just saw them fill it up with water, they dip it out, and they walk away with it. The servants knew what had happened. He called the bridegroom over. The bridegroom is the one who would be the most embarrassed because of everything that goes bad. And here's what he says. A host always serves the best wine first. Then, when everyone... I love this. When everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. The, the church I grew up in, I told you, kind of different. Um, they hated this miracle. They hated it. They never talked about it. You know why? Because they didn't drink. You didn't drink, play cards, chew, go with girls who do. It was like very strict. You didn't go to movies. You didn't do anything, you know? They hated this. It's like, he really didn't turn it into wine. He turned it into grape juice. It's like, well, the only problem I have with that is it says wine. <laughs> and at some point, I'm going to sit at a table with a billion other people at a wedding feast with Jesus. And we're going to drink wine. He hasn't done that since he sat with his disciples in the upper room, and we're going to do that with him again someday. Exciting. But he says this, when everybody's had a lot to drink, then they bring out the cheap stuff, the watered-down stuff. But you have kept the best until now. So you know what we need to hear from that? That with Jesus, the best is yet to come. He doesn't save the worst for last. He saves the best for last. That's what Jesus does. Verse 11, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And the disciples believed in him. They saw something amazing happen. You see, here's the big promise of this text. What Jesus has for you is always greater than anything you've imagined in your life so far. You cannot even imagine what he has for you. The best is always yet to come with Jesus. John calls this a miraculous sign. See, it's not just a miracle. It's a miraculous sign. A sign is a miracle with a meaning. There was a purpose for this. Jesus intended to teach his mother and his disciples and the servants there and us too some very important truth about himself. So, what was Jesus saying? What was the message? Who is he that he's trying to reveal to us? If you're taking notes, number one is this. Jesus is king. And not just that. So much more than that. 
three times in the Bible, once in First Timothy talking about God and twice in Revelation. I'm going through Revelation again in my personal quiet time. I'm having a blast. I told you I read through the Bible, that Bible in six months thing, and I finished it on our vacation. And the last uh, book that I read was Revelation because it's the last book. Um, and I, I, that's the thing that God used to grab a hold of my life. 45 years ago, and just, um, I've always loved it, and so when I got done reading that, I realized I'm not on a schedule now, I can spend as much time as I want here, and I have been just having a blast in it. Twice in Revelation, Jesus is not just called the king, because we could say, here's Jesus the king, and here's Caesar the king, and here's this king and that king. Jesus is called the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. Jesus is above everything. He is the king of this world. He is the king of nature. He is the king of all creation. He is the king even of this wedding in Cana of which the groom was thought to be the star of the show. Jesus was the king of that. He retains absolute authority over everything in the universe as its king. And you know what you need to understand? Jesus is still on the throne in the middle of this crisis that we're going through. He is the answer. See, we are commanded in Scripture to pray for those in authority over us. We pray for the president. We pray for the, 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 the leaders in Washington. We pray for our local leaders. We pray for those people. Whether we like them or agree with them or not is irrelevant. Jesus said, if you like them, pray for them. He said, pray for them. I put them there. Pray for them. Obey them unless they tell you to do something that I said not to do. Basically what he says. So I have great respect for that. But I don't look to them for my salvation. I don't look to them for all the answers. That's not why they're there. They can't possibly do that. But Jesus can do that because he's on the throne even in the middle of this crisis. Even in the middle of your crisis, regardless of what it is that you're going through right now, he is still king. So who is this Jesus? I just want to read very briefly. Um, This is in your notes, but this is not on the screen either. This is from Colossians 1. Paul kind of gives us just a little peek, just one of many places, a little peek into here's who Jesus is. You want to know who Jesus is? He says Christ in verse 15 of chapter 1, Colossians. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. You realize that means when you look at Jesus, you're seeing God. He is the visible image of an invisible God. We can look at Jesus and see God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. And this is interesting. He made things we can see and things we can't see. Sometimes it's the things we can't see that bring us the greatest fear. But Jesus is Lord over that too. He said like thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities of the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. Jesus existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but Jesus holds all creation together. Do you realize if he let go, everything would cease to exist? It's all being held together by him. 
That's who Jesus is. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. We, we need to understand when we say Jesus is king, this is a big deal. When we follow Jesus, it's a big deal because he's in charge. This is Jesus. So first, he's king. Here's the next thing. It's not redundant. Jesus is the good king. There are too many people that don't see that. They don't see that he's good. But here's how I look at it. You've tried what the world has to offer, and it doesn't work. Now try what Jesus brings to the table. Because you've tried cleaning yourself up, you know, like those ceremonial pots in the wedding. Didn't work, cleaning yourself up. How about trying the sweetness of God's grace, like that new wine? Because our way and the world's way does not work and does not satisfy, but his way does because he is not just a king, he's a good king. See, you've been waiting for things to get better in your life regardless of what you're going through. What you need to do is see what life can be like when you let Jesus have his way in your life. You've had your way and it hasn't worked out so well. The way he wants to do it in your life would be way more than you could ever ask or imagine because you've assumed you're going to run out of energy, you're going to run out of money, you're going to run out of time, you're going to run out of relationships, you're going to have all these things. Anytime now the bad stuff is going to be happened. And what we need to do is rest in the promise that Jesus, this good King Jesus has made, that he will supply what you need abundantly. We have to rest in him because he is the King and he is the good King. Here's the third thing. And this is the most important. Jesus, the good king, is worthy of our faith, of our worship, and of our total obedience. If he really is who he says he is, if he really is what it says that he is in the Bible, then he is worthy of our faith to trust in him. He is worthy of our worship of our total obedience. It tells us in the last verse that I read from that passage about the wedding that, and his disciples believed in him. I want to say, well, duh. Do you see what he just did? And he did way more than that. And if he is who he says he is, he deserves our worship. But he deserves our total obedience because that was Jesus' goal. It wasn't to impress the governor of the feast. It wasn't to impress the groom or the bride or any members of the wedding party. He didn't stand there and do it in front of everybody and make a big deal. Everybody gather around. You see these water pots here? Here's what I'm going to do. He didn't do any of that because that was not his goal. His goal was not to draw that attention to himself. His goal was to give his disciples a demonstration of the very power and nobility of the king that they were just starting to follow. They had just started to follow him and he wanted to say, here's who you're following. Here's what you can tap into. And he says the same thing to us. Here's what you can tap into. Because the church, it says he's head of the church, which is his body. He's in heaven now. He'll come back for us someday, but he's in heaven right now. And on the earth right now, we as the church are his body. 
We're the ones doing what he did then. You understand the church is not a building. There's a lot of churches that aren't meeting today. They're doing different things or nothing because they're following certain guidelines. We're under the threshold because we have two services. We can still do this. It could change in five minutes. You don't go to church. You are the church. Church isn't a building. It's a body of believers that Jesus has released to be his agent in this world, to accomplish his purposes here. That's what the church is. So here's some big questions. Have you personally believed in and surrendered to that good King Jesus? Or for you, is it still just about church, religion, you know, just one part of my life? Or have you recognized this is Jesus? Jesus wants all of you. Have you recognized that and surrendered to him? Have you entrusted your life to him to become one of his followers? To say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I believe what you said. You came, you lived a sinless life. The wages of sin is death. You had no sin, but you died on the cross and paid for my sin. I don't understand that, but I want in on that. And I'm repenting and turning from my sin and my way of doing things, and I'm turning to your way, Jesus. And the Bible says when we believe and receive in John 1, we become children of God. We come into that relationship with him. You see, if you were like me running around Cambridge yesterday and, and finding out that all the toilet paper's gone, Sousers. Buckaroll, you can get up to eight. That's where those came from. Um, if you find that all the toilet paper's gone, all the other stuff is gone, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people, is preparing good? Yes, preparing is good. I see a lot of people like prepping for the end. No pun intended. <laughs> or... You'll get it later. Um, there, or at least quarantine, all right? But here's the big question. They are putting in so much time and effort and money in, into prepping for this. Are you prepared for your end? Because I have some bad news for you. You're going to die. You know how I know that? Everybody dies. We spend our whole life thinking that other people are going to die, but we pay no attention to the fact that we're going to die too. And we don't know if it's 50 years from now or in the next 10 minutes. It'd be nice if you wait to get out of here because it would be awkward here. But <laughs> The big question is, are we preparing for our end because it's coming? They're so worried about the next two weeks that I need 640 rolls of toilet paper because I'm going to be in a house for six weeks. And I'm thinking, what are you eating? That you need that much toilet paper. I don't want to live in your house. (laughs) But yet no preparations are made for the fact that our end is coming. We don't know when it is. Could be tomorrow, could be 50 years from now. We don't know that. Are we prepared for what's really going to happen? I'd like you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray briefly here. I know, Father, that um, people who are here, people who are listening to this online... Um, I know that there are those who have already stepped across the line from unbelief to belief. They've recognized that Jesus is their Savior. They believe, they've received Him, they've come into that relationship with Him. And my prayer is that we would be the church. 
that we would be able to put our faith and trust in you and we would be spreading hope and joy and peace and not panic and hysteria. And Father, for those listening who they haven't come into that relationship with you, they don't have that source of peace to tap into that you promised in John 14. I pray that today, Father, they would recognize they don't have to understand everything. They just have to have faith. They have to believe that you came and lived a sinless life. That the wages of sin is death, and we all pay that price. But Jesus paid the price for us on the cross that when we believe in him and trust in him and turn from our sin to him, we can come into a relationship with you through Jesus. That we can have his righteousness placed on us. We can be forgiven of our past. We can have meaning and purpose in life today and a hope for the future because of Jesus. Father, I pray that anybody who has not experienced that yet would in simple faith say, Jesus, I'm believing and I'm receiving you today. I'm turning from my sin, from my way of doing it, I'm turning to you today. And in in, in as much faith as I have and understand, I'm placing it in your hands today. Father, we thank you for um, being the king and being the good king. You deserve our obedience. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. That's good news, isn't it? Oh, I cannot wait. But I have to. In the meantime, what do we do? This is an unprecedented opportunity. That's what this is. New things. New things we can do. So what are some of the things we can do? First and foremost and most important, you can pray. It's a copy of a tweet from Donald J. Trump. It is my great honor to declare Sunday, March 15th, today, as a national day of prayer. We are a country that, throughout our history, has looked to God for protection and strength. In times like these, no matter where you may be, I encourage you to turn towards prayer in an act of faith. Together, we will easily prevail. So the first and most important thing we can do is pray. Pray for the people around us. Pray for the opportunities that we may have. Pray for our our leaders to make wise decisions. Pray for your church leaders to make wise decisions. Pray and don't panic. It's about faith, not fear. Okay? What can we do? Help those who can't get out. There might be some who can't get out. There might be some who shouldn't because they're more vulnerable for many different reasons. Help them, either through your family, through your small group. Decide what you can do. You can do things like running errands for people who can't get out. You can get groceries so that they don't, because they can't get out and get them. Good luck getting toilet paper, but try Sousers. Um, (laughs) They may need that, and they can't do that. Here, you know what you might do? Very practical. They might not be very good at using a smartphone. Get the Walmart app. Show them how, here's how we order your groceries. In four hours or three hours, they're ready to pick up. I will go get them for you. They'll put them in my car, and I will bring them back to you. Because they can't do that. That's how we be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
there's a million different ways of being the church. We're going to try to come up with some ways too, and we'll have those on our social media and website stuff, and there'll be things that maybe you can just do, things that you can sign up for. But here's a cool thing about serving in the name of Jesus. You don't have to ask. Don't call me up and say, hey, could I do this? Do it! Just do it in the name of Jesus and see how you spread faith and hope and love instead of panic. Just, just do it. And this is a very practical thing. If you're a guest with us today, don't listen. Just for the regulars of Journey North Church. Um, don't forget to keep giving. It could be that next week we're not allowed to meet. Online giving. We're about two-thirds now, I think. Half to two-thirds of the people do online giving. Circa, I, I absolutely love it. You can even text to give. But here's the thing. If we don't have church next week, you know what happens to all of our bills? They keep coming in. <laughs> We're actually working very hard um, at, at trying to have some kind of a, an, uh, a plan in place to make sure. But you need to know in the meantime, the church isn't this building. It's the body of believers that Jesus has released to be his agents in this world. Because remember, viruses are contagious. So is panic and fear and hysteria. But so is hope and calm and love and enthusiasm and kindness and joy. So choose wisely. Here's what Jesus said in John 14. There is no fear. There is no fear in love. Because perfect love drives out all fear. That's what Jesus said. We don't have to live in fear. So next week, because things are changing as we talk, we don't know what's going to happen next week. So watch our our Facebook group, watch our Instagram feed, watch the website. Um, You can call and leave a message on the phone, but we may get back to you, we may not, because a lot of weird things happen here and our hours are not real typical here. So watch the social media stuff or, or the website, because next week we might be here again, everything's fine, and we might be live streaming next week. We're working very hard and we'll be doing this. Jay and I are going to be working on this week. What we're going to do is we're going to do what churches of um, 5,000 do and spend a million dollars to do and we're going to do it on a shoestring budget because that's who we are. (laughs) But it will be just as good because that's who we are. So if that becomes an option, it's not that gathering is not important. It's that at the moment we're going to do it differently. So some people are going to be excited because they always work on Sunday and now they get this go to church (laughs) because they'll be able to do it online. Very possible. And it might be recorded so that you can watch it if you can't make it at the certain time that we do it or whatever. So be praying that we make wise decisions and wash your hands, okay, a lot. Okay, just do that. It's a good thing. Um, And if you want anybody to talk to you, if you have some fear, if you want to pray with somebody, if you want to know how can I have this relationship with Jesus, find one of us, make your way to that back room. Somebody will be there to pray with you. Find, find somebody that has the I can help thing and we'll help. You need a Bible? We'll get you a Bible. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that even in the midst of what the world calls a crisis, that we can have faith in you and not fear that the love that we get from you and show to others can, can serve to drive out all fear. And I pray, Father, that in, this, in these times of difficulty that we would step up and be the church and demonstrate to a world that needs to see you and that those who don't know you would in simple faith turn to you and become children of God. We love you, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.